back to another episode of independent thought my name is desmond price for today's episode i'm joined by andrew yang andrew thank you for coming on the show today how are you doing i'm doing great thanks for having me desmond absolutely so i've been following you know like you and what you've been doing you know like obviously with your own individual career and now at the forward party for quite some time now so i'm excited to have you on talk to you about a few different things but you know first and foremost i think most people got to know you from your presidential run so i want to start off by asking you about that can you just tell everyone what was it like running for president and how exactly do you feel like it changed you as far as your, I guess, beliefs about the country? Uh, running for president was uh, a very intense experience, um, but also um, oftentimes uh, it consisted of sitting in a rental car in Iowa and uh, New Hampshire and then showing up for gatherings that initially were pretty modest. You know, what I yeah. mean? Like that, there was a lot of um, grinding in anonymity uh, and obscurity for a while. But then people did discover us um, when the debate started and I wound up on their TV screen a number of times. Uh, it, it did take a lot of work to get there. Uh, it's one reason why I respect the folks who've run a lot. I will say if, if you want about 100 pages of stories from running for president, uh, like I, I wrote a book that came out uh, last year about that because... I wanted to capture it, honestly. Like I'm not yeah. a very nostalgic person, so I knew it was going to slip away from me pretty quick unless I tried to write it down and document it. Um, but I, I used to joke um, that running for president was two things, uh, camera angles, uh, because you're just trying to make things look exciting, <laughs> and uh, staring at um, a TV camera without a face, uh, trying to seem compelling. Because that's what the remote cable news hits were like. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember one particular time where you were on when you were on stage in the debate, and you were mentioning how this was all a little little fake. You know, you were all sitting up on there on stage and just wearing makeup. You know, is um, I guess like just one one last question about that before we move on here. Do you plan on running again? Uh, certainly open to it. Um, I'm in my forties, which means I apparently have decades. <laughs> Let's just say that there's nothing about yeah. running for president that made me think I never want to do this again. Uh, you know, a lot of it consisted of meeting everyday Americans, uh, in their community, in their, uh, diner, uh, in their school, wherever it was. And Americans are really, uh, generous, uh, well-intended people for the most part. All right. So, I mean, since your run, I mean, obviously you had a you know brief stint, you know, running for mayor of New York that didn't end up, you know, resulting in your victory. Now there's Eric Adams there as the mayor of New York. But since then, you have started this forward party, which I believe you're now the co-chair of. I, I've seen a lot of different things about the forward party come out. I'm going to ask you about them. But the first thing that I want to mention is it seems like the forward party is really interested in promoting ranked choice voting. And there seems to be a lot of misnomers around this. And so I wanted to bring this question to you, even though I'm sure you've answered it before. Can you just explain for people how exactly ranked choice voting is better than our current format and how it prevents what people are mostly worried about, which is like the spoiler effect? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so you're right that ranked choice voting is 
uh, one of the top priorities, maybe even the top priority for the forward party, because if you have ranked choice voting, anyone can run for any office and you can vote for your number one choice without any fear of uh, spoiling it or wasting your vote uh, or enabling the bad guys to win. <laughs> you know, right. The, 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 right, right now, there there's all of this false pressure saying like, no, 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 uh, you can't vote for this person, you can't vote for that person. Um, and it, it's only because we're trapped in uh, a system of our own design, but really it, it's not of our own design. It's of the two parties design because they look at it and say, you know what? The truth is we know you don't like us very much. And then if you have other choices, you might choose someone else. So let's just keep you from having a choice. If you have ranked choice voting by the numbers, uh, it helps people who don't have a lot of money run. It helps uh, women and minorities run. And it helps people who generally get uh, more people to like them running, um, not folks who are bomb throwers who can excite 30% and then turn off another 35%. Yeah, it, it, it's strange to me because when I hear ranked choice voting, it, it seems pretty straight up. And obviously it seems to help basically anyone running who's outside of the two-party system. But yet, you know, since you've kind of left the Democratic Party, started the Ford Party, I've been seeing a lot of people kind of like attacking you online and, you know, obviously in the media as well as being like a traitor or trying to enable um, the Republican Party, so on and so forth. When do you hear critiques like that? Like, like what is your response to that? Oh, so th this this is really the conversation is like, oh, you're going to spoil it and then say, well, let's just adopt ranked choice voting and then no one can spoil anything. And right. you know what no one ever says to that, Desmond? Oh, that's a great idea. Thanks for suggesting it. Like, we hadn't thought of that. Um, it, it's because they actually have no interest in uh, in letting people vote the way they want. Um, really, what, what their interest is in maintaining the status quo is one reason I'm happy to have this conversation with you is because if someone's attracted to independent thinking, then they would think, well, you know, maybe people should be able to vote however they want. Just like in right. Nevada, like, you know, majority of Nevadans just uh, voted for a proposal saying people can vote for whomever they want. And uh, all of the rancor and attacks are really disingenuous because there is a fix staring you in the face. It's called ranked choice voting. So just adopt that and then Yang can't spoil it. Like no one can spoil it. It's unspoilable. But then, but, but, but then folks are like, instead of saying like, oh, we should do that. Then it's like, no, 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 because... We, we prefer the status quo. We prefer just, you know, blaming the other side. We prefer people not having a choice. Uh, you know, we, we prefer uh, bullying people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. whole thing is, uh, you know, it, it, so um, every step of the way has made me all the more um, con convinced that this is necessary, that this is what people actually uh, want. Um, it's just that there are a few entrenched players that don't want to give it to us. You know, when I was thinking about you know, like, you know, having you come on and do this conversation with me, the number one thing that I'm excited about when it comes to the forward party, you know, is ranked choice voting. You know, I believe that we need to have that nationwide. I think our choose one voting system is something that is incredibly restrictive. You know, if you were to kind of like put up a, an entire, I guess, like puzzle of what's wrong with America, I don't think ranked choice voting solves everything, but I definitely think it takes one, I guess, like brick out of the wall, I guess you would say, you know, as yeah. far as like how we could fix what's happening in this country, but kind of pivoting off that a little bit, you know, when you have a full other third party, which the forward party now is, a lot of people have been asking you the same question. So, you know, apologize if I'm asking you a question that you've been asked a million times already, 
But sure. people want to know what else the forward party stands for. And you've made it pretty clear that your number one priority is ranked choice voting and trying to make it easier for third parties to run. But the real question is, like, beyond that, is there any other, like, definitive stance that the forward party has? Uh, because it feels like there doesn't really have one at the moment, or at least if there is, I, I'm not aware of it. I think the the definitive stance is reconnecting the people of this country to our elected representatives. And right now they say, like, what do you mean? Like, that connection already exists. That connection does not exist in the vast majority of the country. 75% of the country is under one-party rule, where they have the trifecta, they have the governor's office, the House, and the state Senate. Um, I'm in New York. It's a blue state and city. Uh, there's no meaningful competition here. And and it's that's true in 75% of the country. So uh, what you have, in essence, is a group of people who are not representing the majority of the people in, in their district so much as they're representing the 10 to 12% who control the party primary. Um, you know, I, I jokingly refer to, to folks that what's the approval rating of Congress as we're having this conversation? And, 8%. you know, you, you like make that expression. You're like, what is that number? You know, it's low. Yeah. Uh, it's it's 22%. That's huh. really, really low. What is the reelection rate for incumbent members of Congress. And you know it's high, but most people would never guess it's actually 94%, which is a higher win rate than the Jordan-era Chicago Bulls. So uh, <laughs> so they say it's like, oh, you have choice. It's like, actually, most of us don't have a choice. Uh, you know, 90% of these congressional districts are drawn to be uh, either blue or red and uncompetitive in the general. I cannot lose the other side. The only way I can lose my job is if I get primaried from within my own party, which means that I cater to the most extreme elements uh, of my community um, and what 51% of the people in my community wants actually immaterial to me. Um, and, and so when you say like, what does the forward party stand for? The forward party stands for actually establishing a genuine connection between people and their elected representatives. 70% of the 500,000 uh, local races in the country uncontested or uncompetitive for some of the same reasons. Like we, we, you know, most people are just checked out and fed up and say, like, I can't do anything about it. The, the, the forward party's mission is trying to have it so that the fictions that we're living by become real. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's kind of wild. You know, it's, it, it's something that, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think I, when I first came to your platform, you know, like I was looking through it, trying to figure out what exactly it all was. And I was wondering if it was going to be like more, like more or less reflective of your original, like, you know, 2020 campaign run or not. And I think originally I had saw on there that you were still like advocating for universal basic income. I'm not sure if that's still there or not. I, I think I, I heard that it's not. What are your thoughts on that still, though? Do you still believe that universal basic income is something that Americans need? And do you plan on continuing to advocate for it in the future? Yeah, I'm personally very much for uh, income transfers uh, and cash transfers like the enhanced child tax credit uh, versions of universal basic income. I will confess to you that when I was running on universal basic income, um, I, I would have been pumped for all sorts of positive measures that help reduce poverty. Uh, you know, I had one plan, the freedom dividend, but you know, other people's plans, I was like, well, if it, allevi if it alleviates poverty, which I see is totally pointless and, and uh, soul crushing and like immiserating. Um, so I've still been pushing for, uh, UBI and various versions of it um, through an organization, Humanity Forward, that is uh, in DC trying to push various bipartisan policies. But I came to the conclusion that this two-party system will not produce uh, a meaningful solution to poverty. 
or you name it, uh, AI, climate change, schools, whatever, public safety, um, because our, our current political system does not need to actually solve any problems for the people to uh, hold on to power, um, for the networks to make money, um, and, and that the structural problem will have to be resolved for us to get something like universal basic income or address climate change or uh, address firearms or whatever the problem is. Okay. So definitely want to ask you a couple more questions about, you know, like what is factually maybe your stance are on certain issues or what forward party stance are on certain yeah, issues. And, and that we... is, I, I like this line of questioning Desmond, because, yeah. you know, like I believe certain things, uh, but the point of the forward party is like, look, we're not agreeing. I'm going to agree on everything, but we can agree right. that the system is, uh, is broken. So let's go fix that. And then if we have a rational system, then we can, figure out what the heck to do. But like right right now, the, the system doesn't care <laughs> about what's rational. You're not going to get any argument from me. The system definitely does not care, not in my opinion. But you know, before we get into any more questions, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have more questions with Andrew Yang. Please stay tuned. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before we went on break, we were talking about your stance on UBI. And I, I kind of also like asked about the forward party stance on it. So I, I kind of want to pivot to stuff that's more in the news right now. Obviously, there there was a lot of people talking about what happened in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously, there was a school shooting down there, which led to, I guess, what people are referring to as a Tennessee three going and protesting at the state capitol in Nashville. And it Resparked a conversation that always gets resparked basically every three months in this country about gun control. Probably, probably more frequently than that, unfortunately. 
Yes, it, it's a it's a reoccurring theme in our society. And it feels like this is an issue where people truly are divided. And so for you and for your party who seem to be trying to bridge people we're, together. We're, yeah, we're, we're not as divided as uh, as one would imagine um, where, uh, you know, the polling shows that 70, 75 percent of Americans are for certain types of, uh, you know, reasonable uh, safety measures and gun regulations, including in some cases, a majority of NRA uh, members that uh, we're not as ideological on this as uh, we're, we're cast to be in the media. And the, excuse me. And the fact is, it's exactly this kind of um, uh, polarization that the forward party is designed to uh, hopefully uh, alleviate. Where if you have, if you're a Republican lawmaker in a state like Tennessee, uh, they can take a certain tack about um, guns, and uh, it's going to either be helpful to them politically or at least not that harmful. Uh, and so you, what you have to do is you have to try and uh, make it so that what most people want um, is actually reflected in the political incentives of our representatives and our leaders. And right now it's not, you know, like if, if 70, 75% of Americans want certain, uh, by the way, the same is true in abortion. Like, uh, uh, you know, there's a majority of Americans who are like, look, I would accept some middle ground measure um, but instead you get whipsawed because there are folks who represent the extremes that will try and ram something down people's throat. And in this dysfunctional political system, sometimes they get their way um, or sometimes they can keep something from happening. So uh, the energies will just get stronger and stronger and the system is not responding because it doesn't need to respond. So just to follow up on that really quickly, you know, not, not the forward party here, but how about just Andrew Yang, the person? I, I feel as though this term, gun control, I feel like it means something different to everyone. You know, it feels like everyone attaches yeah, their own I, definition you know, I do to like it. Gun, gun, gun safety measures, gun safety yeah. regulations. So for you personally, do you believe in any sort of, I guess, gun safety measures? And what exactly do those look like in your opinion? You know, I, I talked about this on the presidential. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of common sense measures that would help. Um, uh, I think background checks are, are helpful. I think tying things to uh, you know, red flags <laughs> and uh, uh, restraining orders and domestic violence complaints and things like that make perfect sense. One of the things I did say to folks, um, which the data bears out, is that uh, the most common instance of gun violence is suicide, that there are a lot of people who um, get intoxicated in a, in a given evening and then do something um self-destructive that they would never do under other circumstances and it's lethal because there's a gun in the house so that there are, are things that um and when when i talked about that there are a lot of gun owners who were like oh yeah like i, I like you know my my friend and my brother uh committed suicide um so you know there, there, there are things we can do that most americans would at least be open to yeah um, and, and those are some of the things that i would that i i personally um, ran on and believe with the forward party it's again it's like look let's try, try and fix the incentives so that what most people want actually gets delivered because right now it, it doesn't matter what most people want all right well let me kind of pivot to something that's kind of goes back to the original thing that you were running on 
You originally were talking about UBI quite a bit in the beginning, and one of your prefaces for talking about that was the rise of artificial intelligence. And now we're really seeing a spike in artificial intelligence now, I guess, more predominantly with ChatGPT on the rise. And obviously, there's going to be some others that are following that pretty closely, um, I would assume, within the next year or so. So it's kind of on the back burner at the moment, but I think it's a really potent question, which is, where exactly is all this going and what does it mean for the American people? So in your personal opinion, do you think that this rise in artificial intelligence, is this going to be a net positive or net negative, not for society, but how about just for people's jobs in general? For people's jobs, it's going to be a negative, uh, certainly. And the examples I use, there are two, two and a half million Americans who work at call centers right now. And if you project uh, when AI is going to be able to replace those workers, it's weeks from now, probably. Um, those 2 million Americans plus make 16, 17 bucks an hour. You know, what's their next move? Uh, that one's super obvious. There are inobvious ones in the guts of insurance companies, accounting firms, uh, law firms, uh, on and on through the economy. Uh, right now, AI can get something like an 88th percentile score on the bar exam, um, you know, which I went to law school. I mean, a lot of my fellow graduates did worse than that, I'm sure. So, you know, you, you, you and then by next month, it could, it could be above 90%, 95%, whatever it is. So um, it, it's going to be bad for jobs, for sure. There will be some new jobs that get created, but they will be vastly unnumbered by the displaced and dislocated. You know, along that same line, you know, I, I, there's also been, conversations you know when it comes to work in this country that we should be transitioning to a four-day work week uh this is something that i feel like some people are really adamant about some people are very kind of like they're, they're not so sure about it or they're just completely against it do you have any opinions on the four-day work week and do you do you think that we should have it like why or why not uh the data says we should have it uh, that we get the same amount of work done that our stress levels go down our mental health increases when you get a three-day weekend Man, does that third day make a big difference? <laughs> that was for me. Yeah. So um, a four-day work week was actually part of my 2020 campaign. Um, and I think we should be looking even more closely at it now. The, again, the data is very positive on it. Now, the one of the other things, you know, tech-related that's been in the news recently that I want to get your thoughts on is uh, this TikTok ban. Now I've shared my feelings with a you know with my audience quite a few times, so I'm going to keep that on the back burner for right now. But it uh it, it seems like a very conflicting argument that I've been hearing from our lawmakers as to why they want to ban TikTok. But for you personally, do you think TikTok should be banned? And also, is there a broader conversation around what needs to change about data rights for Americans in this country? Yeah, our data is getting sold and resold for hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and of that hundreds of billions of dollars a year that we don't see a penny of and it turns us into rats in a maze. A very, very small fraction of it is TikTok. I'm talking probably single digit percentage. So like the the, the rest of it is going to Meta, to uh, to Google, to Snap a tiny bit, <laughs> to, to Microsoft or whomever. Yeah. Uh, and that's where we should be focused. Uh, the, the TikTok thing is... Um, you know, it, it's it's becoming a political football because of anti-Chinese sentiment um, that I get on a level because we're in a competition with China and, you know, like it, you don't like the idea of, of Chinese uh, government officials being able to access 
the user data for TikTok users. Um, but bigger picture, we've let various tech companies run roughshod on what I think is uh, an essential human right, which is like our data should be ours. And if you're going to profit from it, I should know about it. I should be able to say stop. I should be able to share in the bounty. Um, I should <laughs> be more in charge and less like, uh, you know, again, like a rat um, in a maze. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like the the, the TikTok thing, um, they're, they're addressing like a small fraction of a problem um, because of our rivalry with China. Um, and by the way, it's not even clear they're going to be able to do so because there's a very legitimate First Amendment uh, defense for TikTok saying, look, like you're, you're censoring your own people because they're just, these are just Americans posting videos to other Americans. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's a pretty legit argument, actually. You know, it's like that there is no precedent to saying, you know what, these millions of Americans can't talk to these other millions of Americans that, you know, that, that it's a, there's a, a good chance that it gets, um, uh, I, like, I'm not even sure Congress, because I was talking to a senior journalist about this, and I said, never underestimate Washington dysfunction. Like, yeah. I, I'm not convinced Washington can get something across the finish line. But if they did, it would get fought in courts, and it's not clear which way it would go. You know, it seems to be a really strange move to be, you know, pushing for as far as, honestly, the Biden administration is, is convinced. Because obviously, I was seeing it kind of like pop up originally, you know, Republicans were bringing it up happening across red states but it also when they had those those hearings there was plenty of democrats that were also very concerned about tiktok thinking that it should be banned Biden administration has been seemingly on board with the idea of banning tiktok doesn't feel like a great position to take for somebody who's seemingly running for re-election and, and that's the question i kind of want to bring to you now do you think that biden should be running again in 2024 um you know, people are talking about his age or maybe like he hasn't been the most popular president. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden seeking re-election 2024? I think that Joe Biden should step aside and pass the torch. Um, he said he'd be a bridge to the next generation when he was running in 2020. Uh, time is now. Uh, there's nothing stopping him from saying, hey, look, guys, I'd like to have a hand in the nomination process, but let's have Governor Whitmer, Governor Newsom, Governor Pritzker, Governor... Murphy, like uh, I'll come and make their cases. Yeah. And then uh let, let you know, like let, let's have a robust process. Uh I, I think 82 is objectively too old. Um, there's a 44% chance that he does not make it through a second term, uh, actuarially. Uh, and for whatever reason, no one in the press is actually just saying the quiet part out loud, which is like, holy crap, there's like a great chance that he does not make it through a second term. Yeah. So what are we doing here? We're voting for his running mate. Uh, and uh, Kamala Harris um, does not inspire uniform co confidence uh, among Democrats, much less, you know, like the broader electorate. Um, she dropped out in 2020 before the voting started. So, yeah, I think you should step aside. Um, now, is he going to? No, I think by the time this airs, like he might, you know, have already announced that he's running. And then you will see all of the Democrats just clap and say, Joe, Joe, he's our guy, even though privately they're saying something very similar to what I just said. Yeah. And, you know, obviously th there's a question about what this is going to do to the country. But before we get to that question, I, I have a separate question alongside of that. President, former President Trump has decided that he's going to run again. 
But now he is caught up in an indictment, which seems to be there's going to be several other indictments that might follow. One out of Georgia, for instance, that seems as though it's about the the phone call that he made looking for 11,000 votes. Seems pretty damning to me. Do you think that President Trump should actually be seeking re-election given all the legal trouble that he's currently facing? I, I think President Trump would be a disaster um, in the second term, even worse than his first term. I think that uh, him him getting elected would be uh, very, very, very terrible for the country. Uh, of the legal proceedings against him, I mean, looking at it, you know, it'll be up to uh, the jurors and, and whoever else um, what's going on um, in a more rational system. The Republican Party would have already moved on from Trump, but, yeah. But in, in this system, uh, he's got a stranglehold on the base, and so he's got a great chance to be the Republican nominee, and then like a non-trivial chance of uh, becoming president again, legitimately, like through through uh, an election. I mean, I think he had seventy-four million votes last time. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, I think again, I I think he should not be anywhere near the Oval Office. Uh, like I, I think he'd be even more erratic and vindictive uh, the second time around. So, which leads me to my last question here about these two. What do you think a Biden-Trump rematch is going to do to this country next year when it seems like we're on that inevitable course? Yeah, indeed. Ooh, it's going to be bleak. So I I will say that uh, 59% of Americans in one poll uh, wanted to see an alternative to these two guys. Yeah. Their combined age will be 159 uh and the the question is does that alternative emerge now mechanically they'd have to have ballot access in uh in the states uh there's an organization called no labels that is right now uh gaining ballot access in all 50 states uh to run a unity ticket if they think that it's helpful to the country i think if you have uh someone uh come in who's who seems more robust and modern uh, they'd have a really, really good chance of um, doing very, very well in 2024 if it is a Biden-Trump rematch. It's an open question whether that alternative emerges. Um, but I think if it does, there are going to be a lot of Americans that want to give it a long look. I personally don't know anybody that's looking forward to a Biden-Trump rematch. And I guess I'm holding out hope that maybe Biden changes his mind the last second, doesn't decide to run. Somehow Trump oh, Biden, doesn't Biden's make not it there. Change but... his mind, Desmond. And yeah. Here's the tough part is he's going to yeah. be like, hey, I'm running. And I'm going to be like, yay. And then the, the weeks will tick by and then people will be like, well, he seems kind of old. <laughs> and then, you know, and and then it'll be. Um, but then like everyone will be like, no, 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 he's fine. He's fine. You're you're ageist. You're you're terrible. You're a Trump enabler. And be like, I don't know if I'm any of those things. I, I think I'm just using my 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 eyes <laughs> where, where, you know i mean again uh, 82 by the time he gets sworn in at the end of 2024 i i, I was next to joe a multitude of times uh yeah. during the 2020 cycle and he's aged considerably since then uh yeah you know? i mean it, it, it's clear to I, not just me i mean you don't need to have been obviously the stress of the office gets to you sir yeah so so running running an 81 82 year old again um strikes me as unwise uh, but it, it's a sign of the institutional um, stagnation where Joe's like, Hey, I'm going to run again. And then instead of having like a healthy culture where people are like, Hey Joe, like, you know, like, let, let's figure out what the next step is. Let's like get through the succession thing. Like, you know, let, let's, let's give the American people like a, a genuine uh, look at 
um, you know, who the leader should be that like help solve this set of problems. Instead, it's like, okay, Joe, like you want it, it's yours. And then privately, they'll be like, yo, like Joe, Joe's getting old. Um, yeah. And, and so you're, you'd see this thing go on throughout uh, 23 and 24, where any stumble is going to get dissected, the conservatives going to jump on it and be like, look at him, da, da, da. And then the other side will be forced to be like, no, 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 like you're terrible for saying that. And then there'll be a lot of independents looking at it being like, look, like I, I mean, like, you know, I voted for Joe in in 2020 but it's like i i'm like nervous you know like this is not <laughs> like this isn't even the guy i voted for like three years ago you know so it's anyway i guess yeah. i'll stop there but but i think that is what the american people are going to be subject to and i think that um during that period there are going to be a lot of folks looking up saying it is not a rational system that is pr providing us these choices you know and, and hopefully at that point they will look at what we're doing at forward party and say okay you know, like I may, I might not like everything I've seen out of, out of Yang or like, you know, the people that are associated with Ford or like there's some questions that don't need to be answered. But I know that this system is providing us these guys and I'm eager for something else. If, if that sounds like you, check out forwardparty.com. You know, for me, it really just comes down to policy. You know, I'm I was more of a, a Bernie Sanders supporter, you know, come the 2020 primary. So for me. Having Biden run again, I, I voted for him in 2020. Didn't really, but didn't really want to. But for me, it was having to get Trump out of office. You know, personal opinion. I, I was never excited about the idea, so seeing him run again, not excited about the idea. I really wish that there was this weird, I guess, decorum or societal like taboo where you can't challenge the sitting president. I think actually that'd be good for the country, but I don't think that we're actually there as a society where people are really, I guess willing to come out of the you know woodwork to do so. I know Marianne Williamson has done so, so far, but I don't expect too many more people to do it. The last question I have for you here, wrap this thing up. What is next for you and for the Ford Party? Oh, the, the Ford Party is having events around the country. Um, I'm heading to California this weekend uh, and then uh, Seattle the following weekend or two weekends from then and then Raleigh, uh, North Carolina and then to Denver. Um, there are a couple of other trips. So I'm, I'm party building. Uh, you know, we got tens of thousands of um, engaged volunteers and activists. Uh, we, we have some level of recognition in I think half a dozen states um, shooting for 20 by the end of this year. So there's just a lot of work to do. There's a lot of grinding, a lot of um, blocking and tackling. Um, and I'm happy to say I enjoy that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, like uh, it, it, it's definitely uh, keeping my plate full it's one reason why I'm talking to you that so people who like the idea of there being some kind of alternative in their community or in their state uh, can come join us at forwardparty.com. And who knows, I might show up on your doorstep. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. You know, besides forwardparty.com, where, where are some other places on the web that people can kind of get in contact with you or with the forward party? Uh, it's, it's forwardparty.com for sure. Um, but also andrewyang.com is my stuff. Um, you know, I, I put content out, uh, very regularly. If you're a ranked choice voting zealot, um, I'm on the board of an organization called fair vote, which is the best, uh, ranked choice voting, um, uh, related org that I know of. Um, so th those are a few resources forwardparty.com, andrewyang.com, fairvote.org. 
All right. Well, for those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. So go ahead and check into the episode description. Now you will see those links. If you like this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you spend most of your time at. For those of you who are still on Facebook, I'm not sure why you're there, but share it there too. Thank you for checking out this episode. We will see you in the next one. Thanks, Desmond.